Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1012 Friday morning, 21st day of July 2023. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. We'll usher in the weekend with Mr. Craig at about 1059. Plenty to get to to set you up for said weekend. First, we talked Vikings training camp earlier this week. Today, the Packers get their turn from the Pack a Day podcast. Joining us now, Andy Herman. Good morning. Hey, Bruce. It's been a hot second. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. And since the last time we spoke, you had a pretty significant announcement because you're going full time covering the Packers. Take us through that whole bit. Yeah, so it's uh, obviously a dream come true. Not anything I ever really expected to happen when I kicked this all off, uh, I don't know, more than a handful of years ago. But uh, I had the opportunity now to be doing this full time, so could not be more excited and ready for training camp to start next week and get into uh, a routine finally. We've encouraged people to check out the Pack-A-Day podcast, which is literally every single day new content on the Packers. What uh, can longtime followers expect here? Yeah, so obviously I'm going to be at training camp every single day. I'm going to be doing some quick hits as soon as training camp is over. Uh, some of those might be live or I might do a quick recorded video, but I'm obviously going to have all my news and notes from training camp every single day, still doing the daily episode launching every single morning. Um, you can find that on YouTube and, of course, wherever you get your favorite you know, podcast as well. Uh, Andy, as we go into training camp here next week, I, I had a chance. I was visiting with a friend at, our, at a Fourth of July gathering, and, and I brought this up because he's a Packers fan. And I said, you know, am I the only one that is almost irrationally excited? Not excited from an expectation standpoint, but excited to see how different all of this looks. Standpoint. What, what are you hearing from those that interact with you about the you know what we're about to see this coming week as we get we kick off the Jordan Love experience? I guess officially. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. And I can't speak for obviously everyone else, but I can certainly speak for myself. And um, this is probably the the most I've looked forward to a training camp, a preseason, even a regular season in a really long time. I think, first of all, the lack of, and I, trust me, I, I know how this might sound to some people, but the lack of burden of expectation in some capacity, right? For 30 straight years, there's been basically the expectation that this team better win a Super Bowl or it's going to be a disappointing season. And to kind of go into a season a little bit more fresh and not have kind of that burden of expectation on the back end, I think is a little bit refreshing. It's a little bit different. How I've kind of defined it is, I've just had 30 years of reading one of the best books in the history of time. I've got to see two generational quarterbacks every single week. I went into it knowing that I was going to see some pretty spectacular play on the field. It's been the most amazing experience, but I'm just ready for a different book. I know this book is probably going to be worse than the one I just read for the past 30 years, but it's just so different and so new and so unique that I'm so looking forward to it. And I think there's a lot of that across Packers Nation. It's not just that quarterback. It's seen what Matt LaFleur is going to be able to do with a different quarterback. I don't think we've seen the real Matt LaFleur offense. And there's a lot of question marks on this team all over the place, but there's some really fun potential answers at just about every single one of those positions and question marks as well with young talent like Jordan Love, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, the list goes on and on. You can go on the defensive side of the ball and do the same thing. A lot of really fun, exciting talent. Some of those guys are going to work out. Some won't. 
but I think that's what makes the season so enticing. Andy Herman, our guest, Pack-A-Day Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. Andy, you know, Jordan Love, let's just start with the quarterback, the most important position on the field. As, as we go into training camp, and, and we don't – the Packers might know, and they if they know, they haven't really told us, but – what do we know about Jordan Love, and, and what is realistic to expect out of a guy who has never been put in this position before? I think the first thing is just progress, right? I, you know, I know that this is not your typical rookie first-year quarterback. This is a player that's had, you know, he's going into now his fourth season. He has the opportunity to learn, or had the opportunity to learn behind Aaron Rodgers. He was not, you know, shoved into the fray and put out there before he was ready. This is his time, and so I think there is going to be a little bit of expectation on him that he's not just a, a typical first-time starter, that maybe he's a little bit more prepared than most. Uh, but I think what everyone's looking to see is that progress through the course of the season. There are going to be times this season when he is working primarily with first, not primarily, like every single one of his wide receivers is either a first- or second-year player. Uh, his top two tight ends likely in Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, both rookies, like there is a ton of youth and inexperience on his weapon group. Thankfully, he's got a left side of the offensive line and David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins that are going to be protecting his blind side, assuming they can stay healthy. He's got two veteran running backs in his backfield. Those things are going to help, but there's going to be a lot of volatility on this offense. And I think those things are going to take a little bit of time to sort of get down and really get into a rhythm. But I think if, you know, I, I think what everyone's hoping for is that by the end of this season, usually Packer fans are talking about, hey, let's see this Packers team playing its best football by the end of the year so that they can make a run into the, you know, the deep into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. I think people are hoping for the same expectation, but for different reasons. It's not necessarily to make that Super Bowl run and anything they can do from a playoff standpoint, I think is a bonus. But I think everyone wants to see this team really start peaking towards the end of the year, get better as the course of the year goes along. Uh, I think it was in uh, Mike McCarthy's second season. Um, it was the first or second year where they started the season four and eight. And in the last four games, they won four consecutive games. And you could start seeing some of the potential of that team and what they were capable of doing. Next year, they go 13-3 and three and make it to the NFC Championship game. So um, not quite the same because that was obviously Brett Favre, Hall of Fame quarterback. But uh, I think what you know, Packer fans want to see is that progress at the end of the season and really Green Bay playing its best football. How do you think Matt LaFleur's offense can be tailored to best fit what we think Jordan Love can do best at this point? You know, I think the beautiful thing about Matt LaFleur's offense is there is a lot of things that are set up to make the quarterback successful. There are some RPOs and some quick reads. There's a lot of quick screens to the outside. There's a lot of, you know, uh, running back screens, tight end screens. I've been watching this past season, um, and I was going through and just watching, like, how many of these Aaron Rodgers throws could Jordan Love, like, not just make, but easily make? And there were a lot of throws on tape from 2022 that were just kind of like layups for the quarterback. So I think that's the first thing. Um, I think some of the things that we're going to see a little bit differently, I think when you would talk about some of the, the, the run pass option concepts, I think you have a quarterback that's going to be willing to keep it a little bit more on some of those opportunities. Aaron Rodgers didn't want to keep the ball on some of those run pass options anymore at his age. Understandably, that's not what you want to see him doing at that age. But I think Jordan Love brings a little bit of a different dynamic there. I'm not saying he's going to be a run-first quarterback or that he's this you know ultra-dynamic running quarterback, but I think he's going to add a little bit of that. Um, and I also think Aaron became so allergic to throwing in the middle of the field. And you, know, you start looking at it. I don't know if people have been listening to the Playmakers episodes, but – you know, they really talked about, you know, if you want to have a successful offense, you have to be successful in the middle of the field. Green Bay really hasn't been, and I think you had a quarterback who's going to be a little bit more willing, which is going to come with a little bit more risk and probably a few more interceptions and turnovers due to it. 
Uh, but I think also some more explosive plays, and then couple that with getting the tight end like Luke Musgrave, who uh, we haven't seen him in pads, and it's still very early. Uh, but this is the most athletically gifted tight end they've had since Jermichael Finley, and I think that's going to bring some excitement to the middle of the field as well. Andy, you talked about the offensive line, the left side with Bakhtiari and Jenkins, and, and obviously we're, we're hoping that they're both fully healthy. It appears that they are going into training camp. This was an offensive line last year that was really good, both against the, in blocking for the run and blocking for the pass and protecting Rodgers. And... You know that was with trying to solve some things around the offensive line, having to deal with Bakhtiari being in and out of the lineup, some stability maybe on the offensive line. But something you referenced on one of your podcasts recently, Andy, is you know this this head coach. One of the struggles has been sometimes he doesn't pick the right offensive lineman, the best five offensive linemen. How much, how badly does Green Bay need to nail this from the start of the season, making sure they get the best offensive lineman on the field in front of Jordan Love? Yeah, I think it's really important. And obviously, you know, the teams are going to throw the kitchen sink at Jordan. We saw what Kansas City did to him a couple of years ago in his only start. They blitzed him over and over in Green Bay and Jordan Love. And I think there's not as much on Jordan as it was, you know, honestly on the, the play calling. But Green Bay had no answer for it. And I think teams are going to be very cognizant of that, and they're going to throw everything at Jordan. Um, so I think having the best five offensive linemen out there, making sure that he is protected, making sure that he feels comfortable, making sure that those offensive linemen can communicate the protections and the assignments on those blitzes that Green Bay is likely to see, I think that's going to be ultra-important. And, you know, this is a, um, you know, we can talk about whether it's a rebuilding team or a refocused team or a re- whatever we want to call it. I know everyone has a different, you know, word they want or adjective they want to use to describe it. Um, this is a young team that has a lot of, very young players, but it's not without some real veteran leadership as well. And obviously David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins is a huge part of that. I think if they can really hold down that blind side and be one of the best left side of any offensive line in football, I think that's going to give him a lot of confidence to hang in the pocket a little bit more. But Green Bay needs to see more out of Josh Myers. They need to see the John Runyon from 2020, uh, or excuse me, from 2021, not from 2022. And then they really need to nail that right tackle spot, whether it is Yash Nyman, whether it is Zach Tom. It's great that they have options, but like you said, they got to get the best five out there. Andy Herman, our guest, Pack-A-Day podcast, previewing Packers training camp, wide receiver spot. Watson and Dobbs, and when they were healthy last year, you could see the promise, you could see the potential. What do you think is the ceiling for those two if they can stay healthy in 23? Yeah, well, first of all, Romeo Dobbs was the guy at OTAs and mini camps making the most noise of anyone. Uh, you can tell that he took a jump. Matt LaFleur was pretty adamant about it in his comments as well, um, talking about his violent cuts, his better route running. Um, he said, I think it, the word he used was uh, something towards the extent of extraordinary uh, what he had done in practices so far. So uh, there seems to be something a little bit different about Romeo. And as you mentioned, pre-injury last year, and again, as I've been going back and watching the games, it's really stood out just how talented Romeo Dobbs is. And if he can take a jump, that's obviously going to make you know things a lot easier for Jordan Love as well. And then Christian Watson, you know, he has that drop the opening week. That could have been a season and career-defining moment for Christian Watson. Um, then he ends up with a bunch of injuries. He was injured during the majority of training camp. And then finally, you know, a little past midway, you know, through the season, he, you know, all of a sudden he's back in the starting lineup and things start to click. He's got a three-touchdown game. Like, he just, like, the rest of the season was phenomenal once he was fully healthy. And I think if you get those two guys healthy for the entirety of the season, um, you know, there is a ton, and I mean a ton of talent with those two wide receivers. 
there's an adjustment period. They have to stay healthy. Teams are going to be very cognizant of them in year two and what they're capable of doing. Romeo struggled a little bit against the press and in some contested catch situations a season ago. That has to get better, but a ton of playmaking there. You add in some guys like Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, and I think maybe even a little bit more Samore Toure in year two as well. The playmakers are there, just going to see how quickly they can get on the same page as Jordan and find some rhythm. Andy, on the defensive side, obviously, you know, Joel Berry's back in, as the coordinator. He's been under the gun from this fan base basically from day one. Another year last year where they started slow defensively. They seemed to pick things up in the second half of the year. They got better down the stretch, just not quite good enough. And part of the reason they couldn't be, you know, good enough down the stretch was it still could not stop the run. How does this team's run defense get to a respectable level in 2023? Yeah, it has to be one of the biggest concerns for the Packers going into this season. They allowed five yards per carry a season ago, which is obviously atrocious. And this is a team that did pretty good uh, or pretty well on third down a season ago when they could get teams actually in third and long situations. Just the issues they could never get teams there because teams were constantly in second and third and shorts and were able to convert those pretty easily uh, because teams were always, you know, basically, you know, had their, their, their foot on the gas because they could run or pass play action on any play because they were constantly in easy, you know, down and distance situations. So they need to be much better at eating their vegetables on early downs and making sure that they're stopping the run. And I think there is a, a fair question that's asked, like, why, why are we assuming they're going to be better? They lose Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed on the defensive line. They're going to ask a lot more, a lot more out of TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt, their first round pick from a season ago. Those guys are going to be the starters next to Kenny Clark on the, you know, their three man line when they actually use it. Um, but those will be their three primary guys. They get Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks in the second day of the draft, but those guys are kind of well, hey, they're day you know day three draft guys, but um, you know, secondly, they're more pass rush specialists than they are run defenders. You know, you've got Quay Walker that you're hoping can take a jump. Devondre Campbell, who played much better two seasons ago than he did last year, I think you're hoping that those guys can play better than what they ultimately did in 2022. Rashawn Gary coming back from the ACL, that's going to be a big question. And even when he is back and ready to play, my guess is he's probably on a little bit of a snap count to start off, and they probably use him on a more pass rushing downs. They get Lucas Van Ness in the first round. This is not an aggressive tackling secondary. They have arguably the worst safety room in the NFL. So this is a has some holes in it and is going to have to figure out how to be a better run defense. And if they can't, it's going to be a situation where they're constantly against the down and distance situations again. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play, right? My goodness. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what do we know about Gary? I know he didn't do much in, in OTAs. He was there. Uh, he was present and all that. He's, I'm sure, itching to get on the field because he's got a contract extension. He's trying to impress his team before it comes and, and try to impre- and, you know, increase the amount of money he'll get. But you know, the Packers have every reason to be cautious here. They, they've got to make sure they've got – this is such an important asset to their pass rush. Make sure he's right when he's back on the field. Yeah, he was so good last year before getting hurt and him carrying his ACL. Um, of all the things that went wrong for Green Bay last season, you can make an argument that that was the worst thing that could have happened because he was tearing up opposing teams' offensive line, really came into his own, and was really looking like one of the top edge rushers in the NFL. So I think that, you know, A, you know, we don't have an update as to when he's going to be able to come back. So the first question is, A, you know, when, what, what is that time frame? Is he back sometime in training camp? Is he back to start the season? Does he start on the pup list? I think that's the first question. And then, you know, number two, when he is back, again, is he on some sort of, um, you know, snap count to start the year, which I would assume he would be. And then, you know, does he look like Rashawn Gary? Because some of these ACL injuries, people come back and, oh, yeah, they look, you know, exactly like they did before they were. And other ones, 
doesn't really work that way. You can see a little bit of a difference. So Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, two of the really big question marks coming off of injury. And as of right now, uh, we don't have a great feel as to when those two are going to be back in practicing and playing for Green Bay. You mentioned the safety position. Who do you even think is is starting week one based on how the roster looks right now? I mean, Darnell Savage appears to be a lock. They're, they're paying, him, paying him all the money. you got to think he's a lock to start week one, but you're going to start at least two safeties, and we don't know who the other one's going to be. Yeah, I think the, the safety position is super interesting in that regard where, like you said, Darnell Savage is on a guaranteed contract. He, he, they, can't, they basically can't get rid of him if they do. They eat the whole contract anyway. And as you mentioned, just based on experience, you would expect him to be the day one starter. After that, it, it's completely up for grabs. I think Rudy Ford and Tavarius Moore are going to be the first to get the shots to potentially start um, opposite Darnell Savage. Rudy Ford started for Green Bay handful of games a season ago. Tavarius Moore they pick up from San Francisco. They have Jonathan Owens on a one-year deal um, from the, the Texans who uh, has started for them uh, last season. And then uh, they also got you know Anthony Johnson Jr., seventh-round pick. Ennis Gaines played some snaps for them in those last two games uh, for their, against Minnesota and Detroit in two of their biggest games of the season. Um, he actually saw time on the field last year, so that's another name. Um, so this is totally up for grabs, though, and I think you know this is legitimately best man wins. Uh, if I were betting, I would say it's likely Rudy Ford or Tavarius Moore getting one of those spots opposite Darnell Savage. Going into training camp, we finished up with Andy Herman of the Pack a Day podcast. Going into training camp, you know, all these you know NFL outlets are trying to find content to fill the month of July because everyone's on vacation that whole bit. And I saw a headline <laughs> this week: ESPN has the Packers with the worst roster in the NFC North. Andy, you're a smarter guy as anybody. Do you agree? I don't, and I, it's not only ESPN. If you look at the the gambling odds right now at whatever your favorite sports book is, like they are the the least likely team to win the Super Bowl in the NFC North. They are the least likely to make the playoffs in the NFC North. They are the least likely to win the division in the NFC North. And obviously, I'm sure maybe some different sports books have it slightly different. Um, them in Chicago are towards the bottom. I just don't see it that way. I think this is still a very talented team. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks with Jordan Love, um, but I I, you know, I think there's question marks. And the NFC North as a whole, I think the the Lions have the highest floor of any team. I would be surprised if they took any sort of significant step backwards. But I think you can fairly question, like, did they make a big enough jump to take a step forward? It's a really nice story last year for Detroit, and it's one thing to be what a nine and eight football team that was, you know, kind of snuck up on some teams. It's another to all of a sudden, you know, go eleven and six, twelve and five, whatever, and uh, you know, make a run and actually may win a couple playoff games. I'm not sure if I see Detroit there yet. You know, Chicago's going to get better, but if you would have told me that they had the first overall pick and $100 million to spend, I'm a little bit underwhelmed. And I like all of their moves individually, but a little bit underwhelmed overall with how they kind of built the team in the offseason. Um, and then Minnesota, we know, lost a lot of their players as well. So uh, I think this is a, a division that legitimately any of the four teams can win. And I think any of the four teams can lose with probably Detroit being the least likely to actually lose the division. Before I cut you loose, Andy, have you seen quarterback on Netflix yet? I have not yet. No, unfortunately. Highly recommend. And I, you know, Packers fan didn't want to like Kirk Cousins. I kind of do now after watching that. But between between, I already knew he was a pretty tough guy. But just he came across off the field very relatable as well. And then you get a real appreciation for how tough he is when you watch him take these hits and watch the way he's trying to recover from them. 
Well, you know, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, about this a little bit who was telling me about, you know, Cousins and some of the exact things that you just mentioned. And I think one of the really cool things about shows like that and you get hard knocks and some of those things is hopefully it starts to humanize these players a little bit more. I think so many times people see them as, you know, just Madden players or fantasy football players. And these are real human beings. And even the ones that you want to really dislike, like if you're a Packer fan, it's really easy to not like Kirk Cousins. Um, real people with real issues, and, and, and they work really hard to get where they're at. So uh, I'm glad we get to see a little bit more of that with some of these uh, you know, podcasts and uh, you know, videos, et cetera. Andy, where can people find your content one more time? Yeah, at Andy Herman NFL on Twitter. And then, of course, you can follow the Packaday podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast and over on YouTube. All right, Andy, thanks so much. Enjoy training camp. Appreciate it. All right, Andy Herman, Packaday podcast, previewing Packers training camp which begins first practice is Wednesday. Rookies actually reporting today for training camp in Green Bay. 10.32, more to come. Bruce Siski Show, Friday morning edition, 610-103.9 KDAL. Sound off with Brad Bennett. Middays on KDAL. Sunshine on a Friday. Great way to go into the weekend. We'll set you up for the weekend. Lots to talk about. Baseball, other headlines. Apparently one Viking was in a hurry to get to training camp on time. We'll run through all that coming up as we continue on a Friday, 1036, CBS News Next on KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. Ron, where are you? I'm in a glass case of emotion. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10.41, I am off on Monday. Dave will have a best of that includes our Vikings camp preview from Matthew Collar, a Purple Insider, uh, from Wednesday's show. You'll hear that on Monday if you missed it on Wednesday, or you can podcast it now at kdal610.com. Also, uh, next week, let's see, Tuesday, former UMD men's hockey captain Carson Kuhlman, Mike Grimm, Gopher Radio Network as well on the radio show Tuesday as Big Ten Football Media Days are next week in Indianapolis. Yes, you heard that correctly. We're roughly a month away from the start of college football practices all over the area and the country and all that bit. So we'll talk to Mike Grimm next week. And uh, speaking of that, Phil Steele of the Phil Steele College Football Yearbook. It's on newsstands now. He is on the radio show Thursday of next week. We'll also get a Vikings camp update from Chris Long of KSTP on the radio show next week. No show Wednesday next week uh, because of Twins. So we'll be here Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday with live programs from 10 until 11. Baseball this weekend sees the Twins at home kicking off a homestand tonight against the White Sox. Our coverage at 6.30 here on KDAL from Target Field. Twins two up on Cleveland in the AL Central. The Guardians are, let's see here, at home this weekend for three against Philadelphia starting tonight at Progressive Field. Uh, Twins and White Sox. Joe Ryan tonight, 8 and 6, 3.77. Lance Lynn for the White Sox, 6 and 8, 606. Tomorrow, coverage at 5.30. First pitch a quarter after 6. Sonny Gray, 4 and 4, 3.16. Against Dylan Cease, 4 and 3, 4.18. And then Sunday, inside Twins at noon. First pitch a little after one. Bailey Ober, 6 and 4, 2.74. Lucas Giolito for the White Sox, 6 and 6, 3.96. 
Mentioned the Twins up two in the Central. That's after a 5-0 loss to Seattle yesterday. Uh, as George Kirby off a tough start against Detroit last week. Six earned runs, eight hits. Good rebound for him. He went seven, four hits, no runs. A career-high tying 10 strikeouts for the AL All-Star. National League Central. The Brewers lead by two and a half after a 4-0 win over Philadelphia yesterday. As... Now, the Journal Sentinel, I think, did a good job kind of recapping this one. The Brewers' star players are beginning to look like star players once again. Corbin Burns, four starts in July, 27 innings. He's allowed eight hits, a 1.33 ERA, 36 strikeouts. Yesterday, eight innings, two hits, no runs, 10 strikeouts. Christian Yelich, a three-run home run yesterday. He's hitting, I, I forget the number now. I got to go look it up. He's on a tear so far in July, up to 14 home runs on the year. He's had nine three hit games, including the one yesterday. OPS is up to 856. And let's see here. Over his last 30 games, so it goes back to last month, Yelich is hitting 345. His on base is 418. 119 at-bats. He's got 41 hits, 6 home runs, 28 RBI, and 26 runs scored. So, yeah, he's on one right now, and that's good to see as well. Probably robbed of an all-star appearance, to be honest with you, uh, earlier this month. But uh, RBI the last five games for the Brewers, and Milwaukee is at home to face baseball's best, the Atlanta Braves, starting tonight. 7 o'clock, Freddie Peralta for uh, 6 and 7, 4.41. Michael Soroka for the Braves, 1 and 1, 5.4. Atlanta hits fastballs better than any team in baseball. So Freddie might want to be careful because he likes to throw the fastball. He likes to throw it with some velocity. Atlanta will hit the ball very far if uh, Freddie's not careful with that fastball tonight and spotting his other pitches. 6-15 tomorrow. Adrian Hauser, 3-2, 3.79. Atlanta undeclared. 1 o'clock Sunday. Julio Tehran, 2-4, 4.01. Bryce Elder for Atlanta, 7-2, 3.31. Atlanta at 62-33. Best record in baseball by a hair over the Orioles and Rays who are battling for the top spot right now in the AL East. Those are the only three teams in baseball with winning percentages over 600. Atlanta, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay. The Brewers are on their way, uh, 54 and 43, the high watermark, 11 games over 500 on the season. But uh, still third, the uh, third best team in terms of uh, the division leaders in the National League. So uh, if they want a first-round bye, into the National League Division Series. They better get cracking here and get some distance to themselves in the Reds and start working on those NL West leader teams like the Dodgers, who right now have the top spot there. Uh, elsewhere, I mentioned there was a, the Vikings are reporting their rookies for training camp on Sunday. Apparently one of them was in a hurry. Uh, this is one of those that you, you hope you can chalk this up as a harsh lesson to be learned by a 21-year-old, probably in his first really nice car. And it's a stupid mistake. It's it's one of those you can't – it's nothing more than just a, a young guy being a dummy 
and he's lucky he didn't kill himself or somebody else. Rookie receiver Jordan Addison, the Vikings' first-round pick out of USC, was cited by the Minnesota State Patrol for speeding as well as reckless driving, pulled over early yesterday morning, going 140 miles per hour in a 55-mile-per-hour stretch of Interstate 94 near St. Paul. This was close to the Dale Street exit, if you're familiar with that area. Addison, the lone occupant of a Lamborghini Urus SUV. Base price for one of those bad boys is about $235,000. Addison, on a four-year rookie contract, got a $7 million signing bonus when he signed and has not practiced with the Vikings because of an undisclosed injury suffered during rookie minicamp. The expectation, according to head coach Kevin O'Connell, was that Addison be a full participant in training camp. And again, hopefully he walks in there with a lesson having been learned. Uh, The State Patrol says the investigation remains open. The Vikings say they are continuing to gather information. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, is one of those where they they can nick you pretty good when you're going that fast. And they got them, and we'll see what more comes of this, if anything. But, uh, again, y- you hope that it's a it's a point where a 21-year-old can learn. And that's, that's, all, that's, all you, that's all it has to be, right? It doesn't need to be anything more than that. Because, luckily, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't hurt himself. He didn't hurt anybody else. Could have. Absolutely could have. And he, – but he didn't. So – you hope you can learn. You live, you learn, you get better from things, and he's 21. We're not going to give up on him, but uh, oof. Uh, 140 and a fifth. I'm not sure my car goes 140. It might. I'm not going to find out either. <laughs> I, have, I have no interest in driving anything that fast. I can promise you that. Uh, a couple of more notes as we head into the weekend. Uh, congrats to the Huskies. Seven All-Stars uh, for the Great Plains All-Star Game in Bismarck, August 1st. Michael Hallquist. Kalen Halverson, Brandon Compton, Cason Wells, Joshua Duarte, Austin Humphreys, DJ Burke all head to Bismarck to represent the Huskies in the Northwoods League All-Star, the uh, the Great Plains All-Star game. They've separated the All-Star games. They've basically got separate conferences of teams in the Northwoods League, and the Huskies off a win last night will host Minnesota tonight, 630. And the Women's World Cup is underway in Australia and New Zealand. We previewed it Tuesday with Jeff Reuter of The Athletic. You can podcast it at kdal610.com. The United States will play its first match of the World Cup 8 p.m. today versus Vietnam in New Zealand. We talked with Jeff about all the injuries that have taken a lot of great players off this U.S. roster, but the U.S. is still considered one of the favorites in this tournament trying to win it for an unprecedented Third straight go-around. Wrap it up in a moment. Escher in the weekend with Mr. Craig, 1050 on KDAL. Your Twin Ports home for Twins baseball. In the corner. KDAL. Off on Monday, Dave will have a best of, including Wednesday's chat with Matthew Collar, a Purple Insider, previewing Vikings training camp, which is underway next week, as are the Packers. We'll get this pod up. You can hear Andy Herman on the Packers and their training camp. Back Tuesday, former UMV men's hockey captain, now a New York Islander, Carson Kuhlman. Brad and Kenny up next. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well.
No, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. This is your home for the Minnesota Timberwolves. 103.9 W280 FDFM and AM 610 KDAL Duluth Superior.